no other way to be here. Uh, could I encourage you to at least uh, go and listen to them, and uh, if you can, tune in on them uh, in the Sunday mornings. If you're not able to tune in Sunday mornings, they are archived in our, I think, on our Facebook page, and you can go back and listen to them there, uh, or on sermon.net. You can also go there and <clears throat> and find them. And uh, but I want to encourage you, um, not because I'm the one teaching them, but the Psalms are things that will encourage your heart. Uh, they just are a blessing, and they will strengthen your faith. There's so much richness in them, and I want to encourage you, if you don't uh, normally come to Sunday school, to, to make that a part of your Sunday uh, morning, if you will. Psalm 62, I love that song. We sang it as well with my soul, <clears throat> written by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. And uh, Brother Spafford, I've shared the story, was a businessman, and back in the time that travel between the continents was by, by ship, uh, had the uh, vacation planned, and he and his family were going to be going over to uh, Europe. And uh, he had a last-minute appointment come up that he couldn't get away from, business appointment, so he sent his wife and two children ahead. And about halfway across the Atlantic, the uh, boat sank. <clears throat> and uh, when his wife got to, uh, to Europe, he, she sent a telegraph back that said, Saved alone, they lost their children. And so Brother Spafford got on the next ship he could, and as he was going over to be with his wife, he asked the captain of the ship to uh, wake him when they got to the point of the ocean where uh, this, the ship had gone down. And the captain came and got him out of his stateroom, and he went out on the deck, and as he looked out across the water, he wrote those words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, I often thought of the heartache that man must have had. And I think of all the heartache that God has brought into the lives of other people that I know. And for him to be able to pen those words, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. You know, amazingly, many of the hymns that we have were born out of personal tragedy. Times where God came very near, very close. I'm reminded of one of the great hymns, one of the great songs I love so much. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. What a great, great, great song. And uh, the fellow that wrote that um, was, he was an evangelist, and uh, his name escapes. Somebody help me with it. Anybody remember who it was? Uh, my brain just went dead on it. Uh I'll think of it here in a minute. But he was an evangelist, and he would travel singing. And uh, his wife came to him one day and said, uh, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, travel anymore. I'm not going to serve the Lord. I'm tired of this life. And, uh, and he was in, in great depression. In fact, for five years he didn't travel. He didn't sing. And uh, he had a home down in Florida. He was one night he went out on the dock and sat down on the edge of it and peered down into the water and he thought how easy it would be to slip into the water and no one no one even know, you know. And uh, such sorrow, such deep sorrow. He was in a revival meeting in Indiana uh, about five years after his wife had left him. And uh, the fellow that was moderating the meeting noticed he was in the service and called him up on the platform and asked him to sing a song for them. And he reached into his vest pocket and he pulled out a, a tattered piece of paper and he laid it down on the 
on the pulpit, and he began to sing those words. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I'd love to tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Oh, what a great, great song that was born out of personal tragedy. <clears throat> the truth is, Weigel, Charles Weigel. There we go. Thank you, Miss Evelyn. And it is in our hymn book. It is. Uh, it's a great hymn. And uh, Charles Weigel was the fellow that years later, he was up in, in many, many years later. He's an elderly man in his 80s, I believe, at the time. He began uh, teaching at Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and they built a new music center at the university there, and they dedicated it and named it after him called the Weigel Music Center. And on the day that they were dedicating it, they had a lot of preachers from all over the country come, and they had people that recognized him and for his years of service to the Lord. And uh, they had built an apartment for him in the music center. And one of the preachers, after the, the services were over, was walking uh, through the vestibule, and he went by the door of the uh, apartment, and he heard a commotion inside. And Brother Weigel, being so elderly, he was worried about him, concerned about him. And so he knocked on the door, and he turned the knob and opened it. And Brother Weigel's 80-some years old. He's jumping up and down on the bed saying, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Glory to God! And they said, Brother Weigel, what are you doing? He said, I'm just practicing for heaven, he said. But all oh, the tragedy in his life. I know a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people are hurt today. And to be able to have the faith to trust God in spite of it is, is the, the challenge of the Christian life. It seems that two things happen. One of two things happens. Either Satan is trying to get us to deny God and to get bitter at Him and to turn from Him. <coughs> Or sometimes God brings it into our life to prove our faith and to test us and to grow our patience. In fact, James says, the trying of our faith worketh patience. And the idea of a Christian trying to get to the place where no matter what the problem is, no matter what the burden is, no matter how dark the hour may seem, that we continue to trust Him. And the psalmist is, is a great, great writer who certainly understood personal tragedy. He understood personal pain and sorrow, heartache. There were times that he felt so forlorn and forsaken that he thought even God Himself had forsaken him. When men were chasing after him, trying to take his life from him. And yet he was faithful. He put his faith in the Lord. And Psalm 62, it's a short psalm. We're going to read the whole thing, if you will. And then I want to deal with three specific things from it today. Psalm 62, he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not great, be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence... They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. <clears throat> they bless their, with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. 
He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Father, we pray that for the next few moments you would help us to focus our hearts and our minds upon the truth of this psalm. May we learn to trust you the way that the psalmist did. Lord, there are heavy hearts in this room today. There are some that maybe, though they may not be heavy today, have been through valleys. And Lord, there certainly are some in this room today that don't know it yet, but there will be a valley. Lord, may we learn to trust You. May we learn to put our hope and our rest upon You. That You would be the refuge for our soul. That You would be the rock that we stand upon. And so, Father, guide and direct our steps as we take some time to look into Your Word today. And help us to understand this need in the Christian life, this great battle that seems to wage in our minds and in our hearts. To be able to trust You even in the valleys. And so, Father, we ask that You would bless and use it in a way that is needful. A way that as we leave this service today, we can leave refreshed and our faith strengthened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's an awful lot to be said of trusting God. There's, there's a difference, I believe, in just believing that God can do things. In fact, the Bible says that even the devils believe and tremble. But there's a difference, I believe, in, in, in the difference between believing that God can do things and trusting Him that He will do things. And putting our faith in Him and resting upon Him. The idea of faith is, is, is something that oftentimes we don't quite grasp, I think. and We almost get the idea that faith is just maybe a step above wishing or hoping. And, and, and yet faith is something that is tangible, something of structure. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, the, the, the things that God has promised us that haven't happened yet, we have faith in them, not because we hope or we wish that they're going to happen, but we have confidence. We believe they're, they're going to happen just as much as if they had already happened. And so it gives us a substance to hang on to. It doesn't give us a wishful thinking. It doesn't give us a, a, an idea of our minds are kind of hoping maybe that He might. It's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute dependence on the fact that I'm going to live my life based on what He has said because I trust Him. I'm putting my hope in Him, my, my faith in Him. And faith is a tangible thing. This idea of trusting Him is a tangible thing. It's something that we don't just do and, and then hold back. Uh, I, was, uh, I was watching a, a thing the other day, and uh, there was a, it was a glass uh, walkway and a glass banister, and you walked up to it, and there was a screen that went curved all the way from up top 
all the way down underneath you, and you walked out onto this thing, and this whole screen kind of surrounded you, and they had this this uh, animation or this uh, this uh, video playing of a roller coaster and going up over the the hill and going down the roller coaster, and people would stand there and they would they would get a little little nervous about some things, and they'd uh, turn and walk back because it, it it messed with their mind and it messed with their eyesight, and they thought, boy, I'm going to fall, even though they were standing on a solid thing that was not moving at all. And oftentimes in our lives, if we're not careful, we'll put our eyes on the wrong thing. And even though we may be standing on a rock, even though we're standing on the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, our faith can be shaken by what we see and by what we hear. The psalmist said this, he says, Truly, my soul waiteth upon God, for Him, from Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock. Folks, can I tell you, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a rock that is not going to move. He is steadfast. He is always faithful. He will never change. He is the one that we can hold to and trust. I've been promised a lot of things by a lot of people in my lifetime. Some of them by people I trusted very much so. I've been disappointed. Because not every time have they followed through with what they said they were going to do. Can I tell you this? You can trust that God will do everything that He said He'll do. Everything that He said He'll do. I want to tell you there are three things I think that are shown here in verse number 8. The Bible says this, Trust in Him, notice this phrase, at all times. Trust in Him at all times. Can I tell you this? That our faith in Him, our trusting Him, him needs to be constant. It needs to be constant. Unwavering. I, I don't know how many times. And, and when I say this is the constant battle of the Christian life, I think all of us can understand this. Because I'll tell you this, at least this pastor standing before you today, and I don't know about other pastors, but I promise you this, that there are still times in my life that I waver in my faith. There are things that come, uh, come uh, in my life or in the lives of others that I'm trying to help, and I think, Lord, I just don't see the answer to this. I don't see how this is going to work out. I, I don't see what the hope is in this. And yet He's always faithful. The psalmist says this in verse number 8, Trust in Him at all times. There needs to be a constancy to this. Look with me, if you will, and hold your place in, in Psalm 62. We're going to come back there. But look with me in Daniel chapter 6 for a moment. Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, I'm going to stop there and give you what this is. There were some princes that were jealous of Daniel, and they they got the king to write a decree that said no man can pray to anyone other than the king for 30 days. And the law of the Medes and the Persians was that you could not change a law, not even the king himself could change it. In fact, we still use that statement often today. When something we, we say something is unchangeable, we often will use the expression, it's the law of the Medes and Persians. Meaning by that, it cannot be changed. And, and this king, Darius, he, he signed this decree and was tricked into doing so. Now look at verse number 10. I want you to see this. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house 
and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And I love this phrase, as he did aforetime. Daniel didn't just wake up that morning and decide, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to trust God today. He didn't, he didn't wake up this morning and say, I'm just going to be faithful to God today and I'm going to worship my God today. This was something that Daniel did constantly. It was something that, in fact, it's interesting that when uh, the, the king runs to the lion's den uh, after they, Daniel had been thrown in there and had spent the night in there, he says, Oh, Daniel, is thy God whom thou servest continually? Continually. He's asking him, was he able to save you from the lions? And one of the great testimonies to Daniel's faith, I think, was in that expression, Thy God whom thou servest continually. He just had faith. He trusted that God was going to be there at all times. Whether it was good times or whether it was trying times. Look with me in 1 John chapter number 9. You say, well, that was Daniel. I don't know. Can God do the same thing for me? Well, sure He can. Look in 1 John, if you will, chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. Verse number 9, the Bible says, If we confess our sin, He is what? He is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Can I tell you this? You can trust Him all the time. Whatever it is that He said He'll do, He will do all the time. When we sin and we break fellowship with God now that we're saved, every single time I sin, I can come to Him and He will forgive me for that. Every single time. And He'll restore that fellowship with me every single time. Look with me now, if you will, in Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. And look in verse number 6. Get to the right book here. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, we use that word careful in a little different way than they did in the 1600s. And uh, we say careful meaning to show caution and gives the idea that we need to have some anxiety towards things. In that day, it meant the opposite. It meant literally to be full of care or careful. And that's where they got the word. That's where they used the word. It's changed in its meaning in the day that we have it. But he says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall what? Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a great promise. Can I tell you this? When we read things like this, it helps us to trust Him constantly. To always be trusting Him, no matter what the, out, what the, what the problems are. Look back with me now to Psalm 46 for a moment. Psalm 46. And verse number 1. And I love this passage. God is our refuge and strength. A very, what's the next word? Present help in trouble. There's not one time that I've ever had to come to God that He's not been there. We shared this morning in Sunday school a little bit about this, the story of uh, uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And how Elijah began to mock the prophets of Baal about midday because their God had not answered them. Can I tell you this? I'm thankful I have a God that every time I come to Him, He hears me. Every time I come to Him, He's going to give an answer. Oh, what a great way to trust Him constantly. 
In Psalm 62, verse number 8, the psalmist begins by saying, Trust in Him at all times. And then I want you to notice what else he says here in verse number 8. He says, Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. Pour out your heart before Him. Can I say when it comes to trusting Him, not only do we need to trust Him constantly and all the time, but we need to trust Him absolutely and completely. We need to trust Him fully. The, the psalmist says that the people should pour out their heart before Him. Hold nothing back. Uh, there are times that someone we love will hurt us. Somebody that we've trusted will hurt us. Have you ever noticed this? That every time that happens, we become a little less likely to give our trust and our love to someone else. And if it happens multiple times throughout our life, we can very easily become very cynical because we don't want to give our heart and our trust to anybody again because they've hurt us too many times. Can I tell you this? The psalmist is so confident of the faithfulness of God that he tells the people that they ought to pour out their heart to Him. That they can, without reservation, give everything of their heart to the Lord Jesus. To give all of their heart. In fact, the greatest commandment of Scripture is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. It's amazing to me that when it comes to human relationships, no matter how much you think you may not hold back, there's always something that you hold back from the people you love. There's always something that you don't, you don't let that part of you be known. You, do, you don't expose that part of you. You don't give that vulnerability. You keep that barrier up. Can I tell you, when it comes to Christ, we ought not to have any barriers. The songwriter wrote it this way, Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Because the truth of the matter is this, no matter how hard you try to hide it, He already knows. Can I tell you something that's so amazing? He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. He's willing to take you as you are. I'm thankful He doesn't leave us as we are. He works in us. He cleans us. He sanctifies us. And I tell you this, when it comes to our trusting Him, we need to trust Him constantly at all times. We need to trust Him completely. Look with me in Psalm 91 for a moment. Psalm 91 in verse number 1. The psalmist writes this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. You know you can trust God with the innermost thought of your heart? You can trust Him with it. You can trust God with your will. You can trust God with your life. You can trust God with your work. You can trust God with your standards. Oh, that we would learn to trust Him completely. Look what He said in Psalm 62 and verse number 11, just a few verses down from where we just were. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Can I tell you this? I can completely trust Him. There's not one thing that happens in my life that I would have to say, that's too big for God. He can't, he can't handle this. And yet, you know, we know that, don't we? 
I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but, but don't we know that today? Are, are you with me on that? We, we understand that there's nothing too big for our God. Somebody asked years ago, trying to, trying to make a, a funny statement, they said, can God make a rock that's too big for Him to lift? And the answer to that is absolutely He can. But if He does so, He can then make Himself big enough to lift the rock again, if He's got that kind of power. And He is. He, he's limitless in His power. And we can trust Him with everything. And you know, here's, here's what we do typically. Let me, I don't want to say we. Here's what I do typically. I'm going to be real transparent. I trust Him with the little things, the average things, and the maybe above average things. And maybe even some of the hard things. But the impossible things, I have a hard time trusting Him for those. You don't have to raise your hand, but are you with me in that? It, it's easy to trust Him for the, the things that are hard. But the truth of the matter is, if they're only hard, anybody can do them. But what about the impossible? What did Jesus tell His disciples? When the rich young ruler came to him and asked what good thing he must do to be saved, and Jesus told him to, to keep the commandments, he said, This have I done from a youth. Then he said, Go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor. And the Bible says the young man went away sorrowful. The disciples were puzzled by this. And Jesus said, It is easier for a, 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 man to go, or a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't speaking about how difficult it was. He was speaking about how impossible it was. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because a few verses later, the disciples said, then how can a man go to heaven? And Jesus said this way, with men it is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Can I tell you this today? We can trust Him completely. And it will be one of the great battles of your life. Because we tend to trust Him for the little things, the medium things, maybe even some of the hard things. But boy, when it comes to those impossible things, we don't trust Him anymore. We begin to give excuses why it can never happen. I've known people that have never gone into ministry that God was working on their heart to be in ministry. Because they said it's impossible. Can I tell you this? There's an awful lot of things I look at in my life that were impossible that happened. You're looking at a guy that I'll be real frank with you. I shouldn't even be standing in front of people talking. I get so nervous. I'm such an introvert. And I've told people before God had to have a sense of humor when He called me to preach. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't like getting in front of people. I told somebody a while back, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. The truth is, God can take that which is impossible and accomplish it in your life. I think it was Hudson Taylor that said, we need to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Things that are seemingly impossible. We need to learn to trust Him completely. And then lastly, I want you to notice that we need to confidently trust Him. We need to confidently trust Him. 
I, uh, I love the story of Moses and the children of Israel. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, if you'll remember the story, God led them by a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. He leads them to the Red Sea. And there against the Red Sea, Pharaoh has a change of heart. And he comes and he, and he, and he starts pursuing after the Israelites and he's getting ready to, to pretty well wipe them off the face of the earth. At that time, and you need to understand the miracle of this, at that time the Egyptian army was the world empire and the most powerful army in the world against a bunch of slaves who didn't have weapons very much, just whatever they could make and, and on the way and little things that maybe they had a, 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 a sickle they had farmed with or something that they could use maybe to defend themselves, but no weapons of war really to speak of. They weren't trained in the weapons of war. And Moses has a bunch of them come to him and they're all nervous. He gets up before the people and he says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Wow, what a, what a statement. I love that. Boy, the faith, the confidence. But you know, the next verse you see him going to God and praying. And in essence, what he prayed was, Lord, what am I going to do? There's a big difference between him standing up and saying, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There was a confidence in that. Can I say it this way? We need to make sure that we have confidence in our faith, but not arrogance in our faith. We need to recognize that we are dependent upon Him. But then understanding that dependency, have a confidence in Him. God answered Moses. And He took that pillar of cloud and He went behind the Israelites. And He set up a pillar of cloud there and it became night to the Egyptians so that they were... They were paused there while the children of Israel walked across on dry land. By the way, the psalmist wrote this regarding God. He says, Thou hast set me before and behind. And when he wrote that to the Jews, they knew exactly what that meant. That God's protection was there in front of them and leading them and guiding them. But if it was needed behind them, then he went and moved behind them. It didn't matter where the need was. God was there. Can I tell you this? There was a confidence in that. Notice what it said in Psalm 62, verse number 8. He says, Trust in Him at all times. We need to constantly trust Him. You people pour out your heart before Him. We need to completely trust Him. God is a refuge for us. We need to trust Him confidently. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our fortress. And then He ends it with Selah. Selah is an untranslated Hebrew word that we wrote with English letters. And the idea of this word is to stop and ponder and think about. To meditate upon this. I would say this. All Scripture is good Scripture. And all Scripture is good to memorize. But can I tell you this? If you can only memorize a few, find the ones that God tells us to think about and meditate on and make those the first ones you learn. Oh, what a, what a verse. Trust Him at all times, you people. 
Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. How's our trusting Him? I know a lot of us say, well, uh, Pastor, I've trusted Him for my salvation. You know what is amazing to me in my life? And I think I've observed it in others. The most precious possession that you and I have is our eternal soul. Would you agree with me on that? It's the most valuable thing we have. And we are able to trust Him with the most valuable thing that we have. But then we can't trust Him for the cares of this life. That doesn't make sense. How can I take the thing that is most precious to me, that, that, that if it doesn't work out, if He's not who He says He is, if He hasn't done what He said He's done, that my eternal soul is going to be lost? I have enough faith to trust Him with that, and yet I can't trust Him completely with everything else of my life? That doesn't make sense. If we trust Him with our salvation, can we not trust Him for everything else? If He did that impossibility, can He not do the other impossibilities? Oh, that we would learn to trust Him at all times. We would learn to pour out our hearts before Him and to be confident that He is our refuge. He is our refuge. How's your faith today? You say, well, Pastor, I'm saved. I think my faith is intact. I'm talking about our day-by-day walking. How's our faith? Do we trust Him completely? Do we trust Him continually? And do we trust Him confidently? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Lord, it's been a very simple message, yet I believe one that is so needful. It certainly is one that Truth be told, we all battle. We often don't think of the fact that you are able to do all of these things and that we trust you with them. We oftentimes try to commit our will to you, and yet the truth is often we take it back because we think we can do a better job of it. And we don't trust you as we should. May we learn to yield ourselves completely into Your hands. To trust You completely with all of our heart. To be able to trust You with great confidence. To be able to trust You constantly, all the time. May there not be a time in our life where we grow weak in our faith. Bless the invitation and use it today as You would see fit. Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know You as their Savior, I pray that they would put their faith, their trust in You today to save them from their sin.